the year was 2019 and I was on site at an event in Utah of all places. I'd never been before. And I was staying at this wonderful hotel thanks to a client that put me up before it was time to speak. I spoke. It went well. And then I retired to the lounge where they would serve bar food, things like burgers, nachos, and such. A little bit about me. I am an ambivert. I am truly an extrovert and also truly an introvert. And after I give it all on stage, I need to recharge my batteries. And that's what I was doing. Found a little corner in the bistro, ordered my cheeseburger, and it just came and it was time to enjoy. Just as I started to bite into my burger, a woman in the next on the next table said, excuse me. It's like, yes. She's like, didn't you just speak in the session a few minutes ago? And I said, well, yes. Were you there? She said, no, I missed it. I was intending to be there. I was looking forward to you, to it. And she introduced herself. And so I kind of took a breath and went on and rechanneled my extrovert and had a few moments with her. And boy, am I glad that I did. In that conversation, she connected me to a woman who would be quite significant on my coaching journey. Her name, Sasha Thompson. Sasha was at the time at a Fortune 10 doing inclusion marketing, and she was probably the only one in our industry, in technology or any other industry I'd heard of that actually had inclusion marketing in her title. I was doing the same thing at the big company with a couple of different nuances. Long story short, we connected by email and then by phone and then by Zoom before long. I would end up working with Sasha and Sasha would end up working with me. Now, she is a certified diversity coach. She is also credentialed by the International Coaching Federation. She is also an expert in psychological safety and leadership. And she's now a faculty member of SOAR Women's Leadership Academy I'm introducing all of my coaches to you in this series, and today we're going to talk about what it is that leaders need to know right now in order to be inclusive leaders and also promote psychological safety in their teams and workplaces. Let's get it. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Hey, everybody. I am so excited because I have a Sarar with me today. She's also an inclusive leadership coach. She does some DEI work and she's a consultant. She's the president of the Equity Equation. It's my friend, Sasha Thompson. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm really good right now because we're getting really close to the opening session for 
Soar Women's Leadership Academy. And I'm thrilled that you were open enough, interested enough, and, and <laughs> you know, all of those good things to be a part of the faculty of SOAR. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. I mean, as soon as you gave me the call, I was like, yep, where do you need me to be? I'm, <laughs> I'm on it. I love it. I mean, I just, you know, and I, I share with everyone all the time that you were such a, a big part of my transition um, out of corporate into me, I guess is a better way to put it. Yeah. Right? You know, don't you feel more you than you've ever been? I mean, I know I feel that way. Absolutely. You know, and so being able to be a part of a team that's doing that for women that are really trying to step into their um, selves as leaders, you know, I, I just jumped at the opportunity. So thank you for having me. Well, I thank you a billion. And, you know, we moved the application deadline just so more people could get in. We know that life has been lifing and people have yeah. had deadlines and things that were unforeseen. So if you're an organization and you want to send some ladies our way, for the SOAR Women's Leadership Academy, or you may be an individual, whether you're sponsored by your own company or not. In fact, we have a discount for you guys if you register and pay the full amount um, up front. We will knock 10% off. So there's an incentive there for you too. Thank you so much, Sasha, for being a part. And you know what? Before we get going too much, what do you say we have a culture soup moment? Let's do it. Okay, so I've seen a couple of trending items when it comes to DEI roles, but they're conflicting, and I want to get your take on it. You know, I'm always on LinkedIn. You are too. That's where you spend a lot of your time. I've seen articles that say that this recent tech job layoff streak impacted DEI roles really hard. On the other hand, I've seen articles that say the boom is happening in DEI roles. What is, what is going on? It's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I think what I'm seeing or what I'm noticing the most is the jobs that are getting cut or the organizations that didn't have a plan, right? They just kind of filled seats like, oh, yep, DEI is the thing to do. We're just filling, filling, filling. And most of them, sadly, were recruiting jobs um, that are being cut. And so, they're trying to increase the number of underrepresented folks in the organization, but really didn't have a strategic plan in place on what that would look like. And so unfortunately, many of the folks that were hired to do this work were also underrepresented mm. individuals as well. So I'm seeing that, but the flip side is exactly what you said. There are a lot of organizations that are doubling down right now. And so that's probably where I'm seeing most of my clients. <laughs> Everything is coming in right now. It's okay. How do we deepen this? This is beyond the checkbox. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day around, we didn't see that much of Black History Month this year, you mm. know, and questioning that and wondering why. And I said, it's interesting because what I am noticing is it's not the superficial stuff. That's what we've been used to all these years. It's like, oh, let's just put this person up there and call it a day. That's our Black history. What I'm seeing is like, how do we deepen the work that we're doing for this community in a way that is meaningful and ties back to who we are as a company and the industry at, as, at large? Um, and so it's just a different way of looking at it. Now, what I'm really curious about is how consistent this will be over time. 
right? You know, you're you're absolutely right. What I'm seeing internally does not reflect what we're seeing externally. And what we're typically using as a gauge to measure what folks are doing is usually social media. And let's talk about how that landscape has changed. Yeah. Well, Twitter is owned by a totally different man now who has his own agenda. And you have companies that have looked at that platform and said, I don't know if we're going to be spending as much there or spending as much time there. Or some of these companies have learned when it comes to performative means of doing their diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they aren't putting the emphasis so much on making sure they're in your IG stream. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. I mean, you're seeing it, you're seeing less of a PR push for diversity than anything else, right? Which ties to social media. Um, And so again, it goes back to like, what are they doing below the surface? You know, a great example, if you remember last year, um, Walmart and the whole Juneteenth ice cream debacle. Mm -hmm. This year, what I noticed is they're investing in Black creators, Black businesses that are already in their stores. And I'm like, it took them a year to get it together. But that's you know, we didn't, I didn't see anything around Juneteenth ice cream or anything that was very superficial or like a quick win. And it wasn't in the news or, or in the media. I happened to see a commercial um, just about, you know, this is a black creator at Walmart. And I'm like, this is a very different take. Well, and this is the other thing too. If you do a commercial on television about a new brand in your store, that spend is almost four times what it would be to do a social media ad. So let's say it was the same company. You could say they upped their commitment just in the dollar amount that they spent towards placing that ad. Right. And I think, again, it's about intentionality, right? What are we trying to do? Are we really trying to just check a box to say, oh, yeah, look at this great, wonderful company? Or are we really trying to impact a community that has been underserved? Yeah. And so that's what I'm seeing a lot of organizations doing right now. So they're doubling down on, okay, now that we've kind of gotten through this first uncomfortable year, what are we settling into? What does this look like for us? Um, And how, again, do we show up authentically? And that's not to say that organizations aren't going to make mistakes, but I think that they're more willing to be okay with making a mistake because they now know that it's not going to kill them. But how do we learn from those mistakes and and continue that learning journey. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of right now. Well, and I also think you made a really good point when you said some of the jobs that went out the window were a certain kind of job. And I think the reality is that when people think DE&I or IDEA, which is what one of my clients calls it, Mm -hmm. they think immediately two things. One is either HR Yep. And it's it's not recruiting. <laughs> it's right. just HR. Um, and they're thinking of the people who are doing the programs and the program design and all of that good stuff internally. Yep. Um, and then they think of marketing, actually. Yep. They really do. They may not know it, but it's that it's that what's uh, visible. Yeah, it's visible. It's the horn mm-hmm. that everybody blows. Yeah. When you have all sorts of people at least you should, throughout your organization and different parts of the organization doing other aspects like supplier diversity. That's important. Um, And I think you're right. 
And it may be that those jobs, and I've seen this too, maybe they've cut back in diversity marketing or they may have cut back in Corpcom. And so you may not even have the manpower to put behind sharing the stories of what's going on in community affairs or external affairs or even HR. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, where what I'm hoping happens during this transition is that people see that DEI, IDEA, whatever acronyms you want to use, um, is a part of the company DNA, right? It's not an it's not an add-on. So how is it built into your marketing as a whole? It's not one person's responsibility. How is it built into your accounting practices as a whole and not just one person's responsibility? And so that I think is the transition that we're starting to see where it's almost this dismantling of DEI into how is this a part of the fabric of who we are as an organization? Um, and so that way, when you are, hiring, right? When you have a hiring or recruiting team that's focused on hiring and recruiting, everyone's job is to look at it from with that lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's not just one or two people that can be cut. And then now it's no longer a priority for the organization. So that's, I'm hoping, kind of the direction that we're going to start to see. Um, And I think that organizations that are doing, or at least on the right path, are moving in that direction. That's encouraging. If that's true, I, I love to hear it. So let's talk about what you're up to these days and Ooh. how it dovetails with what you'll be doing with SOAR. You're into something called inclusive leadership development. Yes. I like that. Tell the listeners what that is and how you've been working in that area. Absolutely. So it really is something that I discovered, not even discovered, I realized when I was kind of in the corporate space, what was it that my managers were missing, right? What is it that they didn't have? And so it was really the chops on understanding issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion from a manager's perspective, right? What are some of those things? And so when I talk about inclusive leadership development, it's helping organizations, it's helping leaders understand what their role is as being DEI advocates in a managerial position. Right. So what are some of the things that you need to talk about? So a lot of it is around like psychological safety. How do you create environments that are psychologically safe for everyone and not just the people that look like you? Um, How do we talk about emotional intelligence in a way? How do we have courageous conversations? How do we start to unpack some of the biases that are systemically a part of the organization? And how do you challenge that in your role as a leader? Um, And so that's what I've been working on quite a bit with my clients and, you know, just having conversations around it because it's kind of what I'm calling like next level leadership. It really is what organizations um, are, should be moving toward and it's what we were talking about earlier, right? It shouldn't just be the role of the diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, but everyone's job. And so it's really impact, how can you help impact the greater good within a leadership position. All of those things are so important to leadership on the whole. And you know, I talk about how important it is that today's extraordinary leaders have extraordinary EQ and CQ. You cannot not have those things. And that's emotional intelligence quotient and cultural intelligence quotient. And if you can get those leaders to act in this way, 
I'm not saying you do away with the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, department, but you've got it in the weeds. They're there in the day to day, um, you know, role, role modeling, modeling these these behaviors. And it has a tendency to ripple and have an impact to others. Have you seen this? Absolutely. And, you know, I think this is why I SOAR is such an important um, program particularly for women of color um, to take a part of because naturally we have some of that cultural competency built in because of who we are. And so how do you tap into that to take your leadership skills and development and managerial skills to the next level, right? That's something that we have to hone in and tweak. And so um, that is what I think is so important in, in all of this and why, you know, soar, yes, let's, you know, sign me up uh, to be a part of that. You know, it's interesting that you would say this and it comes up in my last book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll just include myself, that women of color have a superpower mm-hmm. and that is our EQ is peaked automatically because of the trauma that we have endured. Therefore, we have more resilience, but we also are able to empathize with people yeah. better because we know what it feels like ourselves. There's something else I want to add to that. And I just spoke with a woman and I think I probably need to connect you guys. Her name is Carrie Sullivan and she is with Cultivate Strategy Group. And they are industrial psychologists that Mm. have machine learning working Mm. on their behalf. But one of the insights that she shared was adversity gives you permission to have a growth mindset. And this is why women of color and women can wield this weapon in a way that is impactful for organizations because they've been through trying times. And if you've been through the trying time and you allow it to teach you the lessons that are there within, you can therefore bring that to the table as a leader. Yeah. You know, as as soon as you said that, what came to mind was like, how do you use that as a warrior, right, in this space? Um, because there is so much power in that. But the flip side of that is so many women that don't understand that power yes. use it as a weapon. Yes. Right. And so how do we shift or how do we support each other in honing in on that skill? Because it absolutely is a superpower that I think we uniquely have. You know, individuals from marginalized communities, you know, have because of how we see the world and how the world treats us. And we still continue to push forward and move forward. Right. And and what great news. Yeah. And then what great news it is that if you allow it to teach you the valuable lessons, you are granted like go past go for free. Right. Or whatever it is in in monopoly, a growth mindset. And those are the types of leaders that make stock prices go up and organizations excel. That's just so exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, when I talk about psychological safety, right, and ultimately everyone wants to be like, yes, we want to be the psychologically safe organization and challenger safety is that stage four. And that's where most organizations struggle. But that's where innovation happens, right? When you can be yourself and actually critique what's happening and that's taken um, in a way that's positive and not seen as detrimental to the organization, that's where it, it... um, where an organization can excel and you as a leader can excel. 
But for many of us, right, when we speak up or we speak and say, you know, oh, I'm not sure if this is the right direction, then we're questioned, right? And so all of those isms start to come in or into play, or at least we tell ourselves that's kind of what's happening. And so being able to get through that noise and know and understand the value that you bring and the value of your voice and seeing the opportunities that are out there, that's where the power is. And so that's what we're looking for in, in creating leaders, like this next generation of leaders. Well, and you you talked about how sometimes we allow the trauma to stop us yeah. from doing the next thing. And so many of us, you know, it's it's fear that's blocking us from going that next step. We're both executive coaches and we understand that there are some questions that you can ask as a coach of a leader to try and break through some of those barriers, but you can also coach yourself. So absolutely, you go first. What would you ask a leader who is facing something like this past trauma from another situation and they have this opportunity in front of them, but they can't really see it because they're still hurt. You know, the first question that immediately comes to mind is usually the question that I ask folks is like, what do you need in order to succeed? Right. And just start thinking through that, because sometimes when you think about what I need, oh, I need more education or I need, then I can coach you through like, is that what you really, you know, yeah, let's think about that. Yeah. Um, But sometimes it's these voices in our heads that we need to kind of get out the way. And so as a coach, it's like, well, what do you really need? Mm-hmm. What do you really need mm-hmm. in order to be successful? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I would follow up and ask this question. What lessons did you learn in the midst mm-hmm. of the trauma? Yeah. And get them to start to kind of unpack what they learned about themselves, not necessarily about the other person, if it's another person that right. hurt them. But what did you learn about yourself that got you through the situation? Yeah. What might you have changed? What might you have done more of and see where they go from there? Because I think in that line of questioning, they start to unravel the opportunities in the mess. You know, and and I've told this to you, I've said this to you before, like when you are coaching me through my situation, the question that you asked me that sticks with me to this day was where do you have the most impact? Mm -hmm. And and at the moment, I was fighting the voices in my head, right? Yeah. Oh, I have to stay in. I have to I have to do. And then I don't remember what it was, but I was just like, Mm-mm, I don't need that. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I can go off. I can do. But yeah. once you have the, once it clicks into your mind what the answers are, then you start to see those doors open and those opportunities, right? And options that you didn't even think were open and available to you as options. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's just it. The fear, the trauma, the pain. Yeah. Hold it's hard back. to see past that yeah. a lot of the time. And so we don't find the opportunity, even if it's standing right there in front of us. Yeah. You agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the questions that I often ask um, folks is, When you were five, what is it that you wanted to do? What did you want to be? Right. And like tap into that inner child, because at that point, at that age, there was no fear. Yes. And so how do we get back into kind of that mindset of 
having no fear because so many of us, we live in that trauma. We live not knowing a life without fear. And so we need to remind ourselves that there was a time where we did things unapologetically and without fear, right? And how do we continue down that path? You know, SOAR Women's Leadership Academy is targeting women who are mid-career. And by that, I mean, perhaps they are still at the senior management level, maybe even director level. And once upon a time, they may have had dreams and and aspirations of becoming an E-suite or C-suite leader. But for some reason, they're stuck or they're Mm -hmm. about to give up. And these women typically have 10, 15, 20 years of experience thinking about that woman. And based on what you know to be true in your practice, what's important for her to know right now, even in this environment, in order to lead better? In all honesty, it's that you are valued, Mm -hmm. that you have value, Mm -hmm. that you are seen, Mm -hmm. and that you are loved, Mm -hmm. right? Because again, we don't get that in the workplace. No, absolutely not. (laughs) We do not get any of that in the workplace. We might get and, a lot of things, but it's not. Yeah, that. that's not, those aren't it. <laughs> those aren't it. But I think, you know, the more and more I talk to women that are in that stage of life, it's their value has been diminished in such a way that they don't feel like they have anything more, not necessarily more to give. But that that organization will value what they have, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you rethink that? How do you show up in your value? Like, how do you do that in a way where they know, oh, okay, we've been overlooking this person. Yes. Right. You know, I speak to this a lot. You know this. You, you <laughs> Knowing your value is like one of my primary keynotes and it's all in yep. the books and my writings. And one of the things that, seems to turn the light switch on a lot for especially high performing black women and other women and women of color is just the idea that you have equity in your name if you're excellent. Yeah. And so often we put that value on the brand of the organization and less on our names. Yeah. When if you are excellent and you have been proving yourself Someone will recognize it, whether they're in your immediate organization or your immediate business unit or somewhere else. And it's just refreshing for these women to hear that because they don't hear it. Yeah. You know, it's again, how do you define yourself outside of your job? Mm -hmm. Right. Because so many of us are taught that exactly what you said, our value is in the name of the company. Oh, I work for a fang. I work for, you yeah. know, that fang doesn't know you. No. <laughs> so, it's transactional. Right. So who you provide are a you? service, they provide a check. Exactly. So who are you outside of that? What value do you bring? Period. Right. And I think once people get to understand that and see, like, oh, these are the things that I do, regardless of where I am, now you can stand and own that. Right. And then you start to build your confidence in who you are. And then you can speak to your brand versus 
touting the brand of the organization. Right. You know, there are people in these organizations that are entrusted with building the corporate culture, fostering inclusive workspaces. But if you're not one of those people, but you're a leader in the room, Mm -hmm. how can you impact psychological safety for your peers and for yourself? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think with psychological safety, what is very important is that you don't censor yourself mm. in that, right? So how do you, how are you showing up for the people on your team as individuals, right? What are the need, what are their needs and being able to speak to that? You know, I tell leaders, one of the first things, again, ask them, what do you need in order to be successful here? How can I help you do that? Because so many of us are like, okay, this is the path that I took. So I'm going to tell everyone the things that worked for me. Right. But they're not you. No. So again, understand what people need. They're, the home dynamic may be different. And so they may need time off. They may need some other things that aren't even in your purview right now. So I, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, understanding that leaders don't always have to be in front. Mm-hmm. How do you empower others to be leaders on your team? How do you empower them to share their voices and to speak up and to um, challenge you, right, in good and healthy ways and not having the ego to think that you are the smartest person in the room, right? So that's another way that leaders can kind of sit back and understand what strengths do you have at the table and how do you best utilize them um and think beyond just widgets <laughs> you know like okay yeah. we just gotta crank out stuff like think beyond that like who are these people um as individuals and what is it that excites them and really tap into understanding what makes El Michelle tick what motivates her right because now if I know your motivation I can give you projects I can give you stretch goals I can get you in front of folks that will align with your um, your goals. So it's looking at it in a very different way. Um, <clears throat> I always compare it to how do you raise your children, right? Mm. It's if, especially you have, if you have more than one, it's not going to be the same how you treat each one. They may, they all have different um, interests and goals and challenges. And so it's that type of individualized support that you need to take into the workplace. Yeah. So before we leave, I'm going to ask you to do some tea leaf reading. Uh-oh. Some forecasting. Okay. So, <laughs> get ready. so, and it won't be tough. This is right in your wheelhouse. In this environment that we're in, where people who aren't really sure if we're headed into a recession or not, some people think we already are. The numbers say that we are not. In fact, the job numbers look great but it feels weird. And there's all this other cultural context going on with wars over in Ukraine and China's doing their little thing and Russia's doing their little thing. What do leaders need to be thinking about as they head into these next two years even, not even five? What do they need to be thinking about when it comes to being the best leaders they can be and also creating some psychological safety for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think it really is a matter of um, what I was just speaking of, right? That individualized support 
in making sure that people understand that they ha that you have their back, right? But again, part of that is transparency. If the company is talking about layoffs, okay, how do I help you prepare for that? Rather than being silent, it's, okay, what are your goals? What is it that you want to do? How can I utilize my network to help you? So that could be inside the organization. It could be outside of the organization. But really um, showing up for your team in ways that you probably haven't shown up before. I think the other part of that is understanding um, what self-care looks like for yourself. Because you cannot take on the world, um, especially in times that are like this, without understanding, okay, what is it that I need? And being able to speak up and saying that to people, right? We are not her heroes. And so knowing and understanding um, what that looks like and what you need, if that means you asking your boss for time off or you, you know, doing something to get away for a couple of days, whatever it is, being true to yourself in that process. Because if you're not there, then it, it doesn't matter <laughs> with anything else that you do if you're not showing up. Fully. And you know what? You're talking about self-care. You have a journal. Do you want to talk about that? As I've been doing this work, I realized that I was asking my clients, my DEI practitioner clients, the same questions. Um, what are you doing to take care of yourself? How are you filling your cup? And so realized that they weren't. So I created uh, the 60 Days of Self-Care Journal for DEI practitioners and really is an opportunity for them to take five to 10 minutes a day to focus on themselves, right? Every day is just one little thing that you can do. So if it's go for a walk or listen to music or go to the movies, go to the spa, breathe, right? Just something as simple as that. Um, and really take the time to figure out like, why is this important to me? What do I need to do in order to focus on this today? So that journal um, is available and it's one that I think everyone can use. You don't have to be a DEI practitioner. There's just lots of information in there. I mean, then after the 60 days, there's some questions that ask, you know, like what resonated? What mm -hmm. stuck with you? What are the things mm -hmm. you want to hold on to? What didn't work for you? Because it's good to know that as well, too. Excellent. Where can people find the book? So you can find it on my website, which is www.theequityequationllc.com backslash resources. And so awesome. you can order it right there from the website. Great. Sasha, tell us where we can find you online so that listeners can follow you. <laughs> I'm in all the places. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Sasha Thompson. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Equity Equation. If you're into podcasts, of course you are because you're listening to this one. Um, I have DEI After Five. Which is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Which can be found on YouTube or any podcast platform. And so there we're talking to practitioners. And again, self-care is a big part of that conversation as well, too. So those are all the places. Excellent. And you guys, if you want to meet Sasha, you should go on and apply for SOAR Women's Leadership Academy. Yay. She's one of the faculty that's a part of this cohort. And we're only having 25 women. And there are fewer spaces today than there were yesterday. So it's important that you go to lmichellesmith.com slash SOAR and apply. Now, one thing you should know, if you're in the coaching community, which means that you are either a current client, past client, maybe you're a part of Slaynet, 
maybe you came across me at some speaking op and you started following me on LinkedIn. Maybe you're an organization that I work with or have worked with before. You're automatically admitted. Okay. So there won't be any, who is this? And do they have the right references with you? So go on and get that in. So you can meet Sasha and you met Adrian last episode and myself and the others, Tristan Layfield and also Lola Vincent. We are so excited to give you this service so that you can soar and try your best to become that E and C suite leader that you've always wanted to be. You know you have. So, Sasha, it has been a pleasure having you on the Cold Soup Podcast. You are welcome back anytime. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Absolutely. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Sasha Thompson, certified and credentialed with the International Coaching Federation. She is an inclusive leadership coach. She does some diversity coaching, and she also is an expert in psychological safety. If you want to know more about SOAR Women's Leadership Academy, this will air a day after the deadline. But if you are a Culture Soup podcast listener, I want you to go on and find that application because it's still up. Apply. And somewhere in the notes, let me know that you are a Culture Soup podcast listener and that you'd like admission to the cohort that starts on the 30th. I'll make this one exception. That's lmichellesmith.com slash SOAR, or you can call the office at 469-523-1453 and let us know that you're a Culture Soup podcast listener who wants to get in on this cohort. I look forward to seeing you. Listen, I'll be speaking soon again with the Executive Leadership Council as an adjunct faculty member I'll be a part of the Power of Women at Work. That's in April coming up soon. Go to elcinfo.com and register. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Stay tuned for after the show. I hope you subscribed. Until next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.